Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. Praise God. I'm so glad that you are here today. Let's take our Bibles and go to Psalm 84 and drop down to verse 11. We're going to prepare our hearts to receive the holy tithes and offerings, and we're going to bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. Now, Psalm 84 verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. I think it's very important that we understand that God wants you to be blessed, that God has good intentions for you to bring good things into your life right when you need them. There have been those times in my life, and there have been quite a few of them, where certain desires, not so much a want or even something that would be considered like a need, but just something that would be more leaning towards a desire, would just kind of float up in my mind. It would come from my heart, and it would be picked up by my mind, my understanding about something that I wanted. And then, within just moments, it would appear in my life. Something would take place in order to uh, bring that to pass. And it was wonderful. I remember a distinct moment when this happened in my life years back when I was working at a hardware store and just the thought came into my, into my heart. And it wasn't, you know, an outlandish thought, but it was just a thought I would really like right now a Starbucks mocha frappuccino. And it was just a thought that formed within my heart because I'd been working for many hours and uh, just kind of had a taste for that. And I had only thought about that for just a few seconds. And it seemed such a, to be such a pleasing thought, but I knew I couldn't really do it because I was at work and uh, didn't have time to, you know, take a break because I was busy. But when that thought formed in my mind and I meditated on it just for a couple of seconds, Suddenly, a friend of mine over in the millworks department popped up from behind the desk. He was sitting down working on the laptop, and he said, Stephen, I'm going on break right now. And he said, I'm going to make a run to Starbucks. He said, can I get you something and bring it back? I said, yes. And he said, I want to treat you today. So it was like a double supernatural blessing. And, you know, somebody might say, well, that's like a real small thing. It was just a $5 and 18 cent, you know, thing. That's all it would cost. But it was a blessing. I appreciated him doing that. But I realized that's how God operates. That's how God thinks. And there are these things that are in your heart, they're in your mind, and they'll come forth at certain times. And you'll just know it's, it's the time for that. And that could be something small like a drink. There could be other times when something larger that God has planned for you for quite some time, you pick it up in your spirit and you think, Lord, that would be nice right now. I believe it's time. And when those thoughts begin to come, usually you're within like a 48-hour window of that thing taking place. And it could even be daily. I was talking to a well-known internationally known 
evangelist friend of mine, we were kind of swapping stories, supernatural stories, which is what we ministers do when we get together. We talk about Scripture. We talk about God as a miracle-working God, not just in biblical days, but in our days as well. And uh, we were, in some ways, although we really weren't you know, we didn't open our Bibles and pull this verse up. We were touching things along this line of verse 11 from Psalm 84. And he said, Stephen, my evangelist friend said, Stephen, I have a pastor friend from South Africa. And he had been in America for a while. And when he was flying back to South Africa, he had a desire that when he got back to his hometown, that he would have a lobster meal. And uh, for whatever reason, that was just something that was like in his heart. Well, he landed and, uh, you know, drove from the airport to his hometown and just stopped by a restaurant that he had not gone to before. And he went into the restaurant and without even looking at the menu, when the waiter came up, this pastor told the waiter, he said, I'd like to have lobster for lunch. And the waiter explained to him very nicely. He said, sir, he said, we have fish here and we have various forms of seafood, but we don't have lobster. And the pastor said, well, okay, but I understand you're saying that, but I still want lobster. And he said, sir, lobster's not even on the menu. We don't even have it on the menu. He said, no, he said, I, I would like a lobster, and I know you've got a lobster back there somewhere. He said, no, we don't, we don't have a lobster back there. And the pastor said, please, just go look. Go look. And so the waiter uh, went to go look, knowing that there's no lobster, but he went, in a sense, almost to kind of like, you know, appease the pastor who insisted that there was a lobster back there somewhere. Where he go, the waiter goes back there. And just kind of like walks around the chef's kitchen and was going to make a loop and then just come back and tell him there's no lobster. And when he was doing that, a local, a local fisherman came in through the back door of the restaurant and he was holding a live lobster. He said, hey, I just, I've just caught a lobster. And uh, would you guys like a lobster? And the chef saw that. The chef couldn't believe it. And the waiter couldn't believe it. And uh, the, the chef said, yeah, we've got a guy out there right now that wants a lobster. So the waiter goes out there and says, hey, somebody just bought a lobster in. And the pastor goes, yes, that's my lobster. Go ahead and prepare it. And I'm ready to, ready to eat it. But you may think, well, that's pretty wild, Pastor Stephen. That's not even a kosher thing. You know, that, that, that's okay. The thing is, my friends, is that God's very serious when he says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, you need to walk uprightly. You need to serve the Lord. You need to live for God. And you need to be a tither. Praise God. You need to follow the commandments of the scriptures so that you have a good conscience before the Lord. Because we're told in Malachi chapter 3 that the tithe, which is 10%, of all money that comes into your life. Listen, uh, uh, let me speak to the Americans just for a moment. Many of you are getting those stimulus checks. Praise God. What's the first thing you should do? You should, you should praise the Lord, and you should take out the tithe. Hallelujah. And you should send the tithe off into the storehouse so that the remainder part of that, of that blessing is truly blessed by the Lord. Praise God. How many of you know that $1,200 is nice, but it won't it's not going to alter your life's destiny. So 
honor the Lord, put God first, the tithe belongs to the Lord. That would be $120, praise God. And that belongs to the Lord. The tithe of all monies that you earn or something that would come in unexpected, like the government being a blessing like that. And, of course, we know that's really just the taxpayer's money coming back, in a sense, to us anyhow. But no matter how it comes, whether it's an inheritance or unexpected funds that come into your life, the tithe belongs to the Lord. We want to be those people who walk uprightly. When we see things in the Word of God, if our lives are not lined up with that, we want to make the correction and get our lives in agreement with the Word of God. And by the way, the tithe carries over into the New Testament. We see clearly in the book of Hebrews, in the New Covenant, chapter 7, that Jesus today in heaven is still receiving the tithe. Praise the Lord. Now again, no good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. These good things can be these small things so often during the course of a day or a week that just give that extra spice and joy in your life. It gives those extra blessings. And it can be these other things that can be larger, perhaps something that you've been believing God for. He's not withholding it. He's not keeping it back. God wants you to receive it. That's the way He is. He's he has a giving nature, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Praise God. So He is the ultimate and the greatest giver. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. So let's walk in the principles of God's Word. You know what? When you follow biblical principles, you'll find that you will begin to move away from this thing of praying about money. Now, God does money miracles. But, let me say this. When you work biblical principles, those principles begin to produce in your life. When you are a tither, when you sow financial seed, when you honor the Lord with your finances, and when you follow biblical laws of getting out of debt and staying out of debt, when you work these principles, I'm not saying that debt is a sin. I'm saying that there is a better way because we know from Scripture that the borrower is a servant that can be translated as a slave to who? To the lender. So it's better to be free so that we can do the work of the Lord without being chained. So when you begin to work these principles, God will begin to move you into freedom and you'll find that you have to pray very little, maybe even none about money. Why? The principles are producing. The principles are producing miracle results. It's really supernatural results in your life. And you will see that those good things, they just start coming into your life. They start coming into your life. But this is for the for the believer, the child of God, that is really applying the principles of God to their life very, very seriously. Praise God. Well, and then when I say seriously, I don't mean that you can't have fun. God wants you to have joy. But what I'm saying is that you're very diligent. You're very careful to do what Moses through the Holy Spirit instructed, the, uh, instructed Joshua to do in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, 
to be very diligent concerning all the commandments of the Lord, to observe them carefully. In other words, to dig into them, find out what they are. Don't violate them. Don't, don't break them. Don't try to, uh, you know, go a different route or a different path. Stick with God's way, and it will produce beautiful blessings in your life. And you'll see that no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And I know that that would be you. You are a person who is endeavoring to walk uprightly. You know, I realized when I was a believer that when I was raised in church, while the pastors, the various pastors that I sat under, they loved the Lord greatly. When it came to the area of finances, they did teach some things that were not biblical. Now, they taught what they taught very sincerely, but they were sincerely wrong. And they taught such things as God doesn't want you to have much. And then, of course, if you don't have much, you can't give much. And if you don't have much, you can't support the gospel. And if you can't support the gospel, then we can't send out missionaries. We can't publish books. We can't uh, purchase airtime on television. Uh, we are limited in what we can do. So, like an onion, I had to peel off the wrong layers. And then I had to build myself up with the correct layers of God's Word, with correct scriptures that were the true plan of God. Hallelujah. And when you do that, you'll see that God's not withholding. God wants to bless you. He wants you to walk uprightly and do it His way. Do it His way. No shortcuts. No cheating. No working over in gray areas. No manipulating numbers. No cheating on taxes. No trying to defraud somebody so that you can you know, somehow think that you're going to get ahead through doing stuff like that. No uh, being ethical. Sticking to the Word of God very, very carefully, and then flowing and following the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Woo! I tell you what, when you're walking like that, things just start coming. Uh, and things start coming that are a lot, that are a lot more enjoyable than a, uh, you know, like a coffee. Although that's nice. A frappuccino is nice. But God can bring some things to you that bring more refreshing than that. Praise the Lord. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, as you honor the Lord today with your tithe, and with your offerings. Bring them joyfully into the storehouse of the Lord, knowing that God's going to bless you abundantly, and that you are going to be blessed to be a blessing. You're going to be a champion, kingdom, financier. You're going to have such an overflow that you're going to be able to pour liberally with a joyful heart into the work of the kingdom. God's raising you up for financial greatness. Receive it in Jesus' name and shout, I receive. Woo! Praise God. Now, for those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code here is 28654. Now, if you would like to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so day or night by visiting the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. And there is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. And you can go there, and it will come directly into the storehouse, the ministry storehouse here, so that we can continue to preach the gospel around the world. And we're expanding in the work that God has called us to do. And I want to say thank you so much for you putting the Lord first by honoring His Word, and watch as no good thing will be withheld from you. 
praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, bless the finances of your people. I thank you, Father God, that while there is a place where sometimes we can pray for finances, we thank you that your principles, as we work your principles, clear all that area up and everything runs smoothly and, and overflow just begins to work properly the way you designed it as we work principles. So Father God, get your people by your grace, bring them into this area of working smoothly within your kingdom, operating principles. And I thank you, Father, for removing any financial distress out of the lives of your people and putting them on solid ground and on true rich biblical prosperity so that they can be a blessing to see the gospel preached around the world. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. And God's going to bring a lot of refreshing into your life. Hallelujah. Now, today, let's go to the book of Isaiah. I want to talk about the subject of a new anointing. Now, I have taught before on the subject of a fresh anointing. In other words, you can be refreshed and the anointing that you walk in can be freshened and you're strengthened and out you go again with the fresh anointing. But it's the same anointing. It's just been made fresh. But today I want to talk about a new anointing that I believe the Lord has in store for you and he's going to want you to step into it very, very soon. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles and go to Isaiah to the book of Isaiah chapter 10 and we're going to see some things concerning this new anointing that the Holy Spirit is going to be placing upon your life. Heavenly Father we ask that as we go into your word today that the Holy Spirit would come and release the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can understand your plan, so that we can have that unveiling to see what it is that you're doing, and so that we can step into the new anointing that you have prepared for us as a church and also as individuals. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. We all agree and say, Amen. Hallelujah. You know, there's a new anointing that's coming to quite a... a uh, quite a few of you, which would be that of speaking in public. And you may think, oh, Pastor Stephen, that's not my thing. I'm, I'm kind of like off on the side and I'm camera shy or please don't ever put me in front of a microphone or whatever the case might be. But I have to let some of you know by the word of the Lord that that's actually God's plan for you. And you need to prepare your heart for that because the Lord will give you a new anointing, a new anointing so that you're there in a place of comfort and strength. And it feels, if it just feels like you were born for it, praise God. So that will be a new anointing that's going to come up on quite a few of God's servants, where things will happen, where you will find yourself in front of people. And I'm not just, I'm not just talking about ministry. I'm talking about, uh, you know, you might be in your business and maybe you've only worked on a small team level, but the Lord's lifting you up, and now you need to address the company under the, you know, the, the leadership and so forth. They want you to, to share on this subject that you've gotten really good at. You'll find yourself speaking in front of 500 people, 5,000 people, and uh, you know, traveling and just talking and sharing the things that the Lord has anointed you to speak upon. Praise God. But that's an anointing. Praise the Lord. So get ready for that because for some of you, that is in God's plan for your life. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's okay. 
to be a behind-the-scenes person. If that's what the Lord assigns you to, and the body has many parts, we must all operate in our own anointing. But if the Lord says, hey, I need to bring you forward so I can speak through you, then you have to be willing to do that. But trust me, that new anointing will be there for you. Now, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 24. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, that would be also as we would say those who dwell in the church, God's people, do not be afraid of the Assyrian. He shall strike you with a rod and lift up his staff against you in the manner of Egypt. Well, Isaiah chapter 10 has some of the most remarkable historical records of the Assyrian march through the land of Israel. And as you continue on past 27 throughout the remaining verses in that chapter, it begins to name the cities, the towns, the villages that the Assyrian army began to steamroll through. And they, in so many ways, were just unstoppable. They were more powerful. They were better, they were better financed. And they were also, to a degree, God's vehicle of judgment against an apostate nation. But God had a remnant. He's speaking to the remnant. And he still has a remnant today that he's preparing. And I need to let you know that God... Only let the Assyrians go so far. He only let the persecution go so far before he turned the whole thing. Now watch this. In verse 27, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden, whose burden? The burden of being under the domination of the Assyrian nation, the, the army, the military that was just crushing the Israeli community, the small villages and towns, and they're making their way towards Jerusalem, the capital. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden. Now, we see the historical setting, but there's also dual imagery. We have the natural, but we also have the spiritual. So the enemy and his plans to produce a stranglehold in your life, a bottleneck, that would appear to be something that you cannot get beyond, something you cannot break through or past in your own natural strength or ability. Perhaps the enemy does seem stronger in that area, but there is a solution through the wisdom of God. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder. Now, when God begins to break through on your behalf, and the new anointing begins to come upon you. The first thing that happens is that the burden which is on the shoulders, which has oppressed you and pushed you down, that comes off. And that is a great relief. Now remember, you're not completely free yet. But oh, already, what a difference it makes. Because the burden pushes you down pushes you down, humiliates you. And that's, that's the weight that's on the shoulders pushing you down. That is a burden. I was walking with my wife one time through my former pastor's church, and the service was already over. Kelly and I were making our way. Uh, I can't even remember where we were going. It was a very large, you know, building. And we're walking down a long hallway, and one of the ladies in the church who was one of the prayer intercessors was completely bent over through some type of uh, spinal disease that she had, and she could not straighten herself up. 
She was bent over literally like, like an angle, just like that. Not even like that, literally just like that. And she, the only way she could look up was turn her head, very uncomfortably turn her head and look up. And at that time, she was uh, in her young 30s. And the anointing suddenly came on me. And I just reached over and put my hand on her back. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit was all over me. And I said, in the name of Jesus, stand up. And the anointing of the Lord went right through me. It went right into her back. And she stood up and she goes, oh. And she, she was made whole from that moment on. She was able to walk around. And the devil never was able to put it back on her because she had a lot of knowledge of the word. All she needed was one touch of that anointing and God's power touched her. Now, uh, that was not something I was planning on. Uh, Kelly and I were just walking somewhere, but the anointing came. And when the anointing came, it brings God's healing power. And there's many different anointings, not just an anointing for healing. There are many, many different anointings. And I believe that you are going to step into a new anointing that God has designated for you. Not just a fresh anointing of that which you already have, but something brand new. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder. That's a great start. Get rid of the burden. Praise God. Now here's the big one though. And his yoke from your neck. See, even if the burden is gone and you can stand up, and you can look around and say, hey, I feel better. All that weight's off of me. But if that yoke is still around your neck, what does that mean? It means you're still enslaved. It means you're still chained. It means truly you're not yet free the way God wants you to be. We must be people of God who refuse to settle with partial blessing. We must be people of God who refuse just to live with half the blessing, or half of the deliverance, or half of the testimony. Pastor Stephen, I, I'm here to testify in church today that the burden has been taken off my shoulders. Praise God. Everybody shout with me. Praise God. That's good, brother. Hey, what's that thing around your neck? Oh, well, I, I didn't. I, I'll be back next week to testify about that. Well, look, we need to have a complete testimony. Hallelujah. We, yes, we'll rejoice. We'll, we will rejoice that the burden is gone, but we need, we need the full enchilada. Praise God. Mm -mm -mm. We cannot be complacent in our faith. We cannot be timid in our faith and just say, well, that's, that's a lot better than what we had before. Let's just camp here. No, you can't do that. You've got to keep going until you get to the top of the mountain, the top of Mount Zion. Well, Pastor Steve, in my denomination, we, we just camped way down here, and this is where we're comfortable. And look, if you camp there too, I'm not telling you to leave that, but I'm saying if you camp there in that theology, in that roof that they would try to put over you, if you camp there, you'll stay there. And you will not be able to go higher. And God wants you to go higher. Praise God. Now, you, if God wants you to stay there and you're happy there, that's good. But in your own faith, in your own walk, regardless of what your denomination might say, you need to keep on going with the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Hallelujah. I'm not talking about going on into something that's unbiblical, but I just know many beloved brothers and sisters, they are in various denominations that in many ways are just dead. There's nothing going on at all, and the church is very happy that there's nothing going on. They're very happy that everything is just comfy and cozy, and, you know, it's like the cloud of glory moved 200 years ago, and they, they were just like, well, that's okay, Lord, go ahead and move on somewhere else. We're just fine and happy here. Well, my friends, if you find yourself in a place like that, you, in your own life, you need to begin to move with God. Hallelujah. Woo, because... You want all that God has for you. You need to keep climbing up the mountain. Keep climbing up the mountain until you get to the very top. And you'll know. You'll know when you're there. You're no, you will know that when you're in the fullness of what God has for you. Here's what I want to do today to encourage you. And this is what the Holy Spirit was showing me. About the new anointing that God has for you. You're going to have to do some things in the natural that may be a little bit uncomfortable. Not, not, not impossible, but it may be a little bit, uh, you know, different. Because there is a big wave of God's glory that's coming. And those of us that are prophetic, that are standing on the beach, we see it coming. And here's what's going on. Those that can see the formation of this wave, they've already gotten on their surfboards, and we're, already, we're, we're actually already paddling out towards it. But this is true in the realm of surfers. Surfers that are novices, that are not really confident in their levels of riding big waves, they don't go out to the deep, deep water where the big waves originate from. Why? It's kind of scary out there. You may not be able to avoid that big wave if you get close enough to it. Uh, actually, you can. You, you're going to get a little bit behind it so that you can start paddling when you feel that momentum and be able to catch it. But a lot of those that don't know what the pros know, they'll play in the area where the waves will break and they'll just out of that reach of that break area. But it's also kind of a very rough area where you're going to catch all that white water and, you know, all of that friction that's going to come from the, from the wave crashing. But at least they're out of the range of the crash. Okay, here's what you need to do. You need to be able to anticipate in your spirit and prophetically see what's coming. Because there's a major move of God that is going to be coming. And right now, not when you hear about it. Right now, you need it in the spirit. Start getting on your surfboard and start paddling out towards it. Who praise God so that you can catch it when it starts to when it starts to form and begins to build. And you can tell when it's about to happen. And the pros know that ride those gigantic waves. You just get right behind it, and then when it starts to form, you start paddling as fast as you can. Then you both catch together, and it starts moving. Next thing you know, you're on it. All you have to do is stand up and write it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. That's what I want you to do. There is a new anointing that God has for you, but it's not just automatically going to fall on you. You have to move towards it. You have to position yourself for it. Praise God. And that's what we're talking about today. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. His burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. The yoke needs to come off. 
God wants His people free, watch this, in every area of their life. Spirit, soul, body. Mm, thank you, Jesus. God wants your spirit to be strong. He wants you to be happy. He doesn't want you to be, he doesn't want your spirit shut down because of intellectualism. I've seen some people, they are so proud in the church. They are so proud that it's almost like they can't even laugh. And you could tell the funniest jokes and they sit there with their most rigid looks like they're robotic or something like that. And even the Bible says laughter does good like a medicine. But you have some, they wouldn't laugh for anything. My friends, the Holy Spirit wants you to be free so that you can move with Him in revival glory. Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He wants you free in every area. He wants you free in your mind, in your brain, in your body. He doesn't want any type of burden or yoke on you in any way. That includes your finances. Hallelujah. He wants every part of you free to serve Him. His burden will be taken away from your shoulder and His yoke from your neck. See, God wants you to be able to get on your surfboard spiritually and get out there into the deep water and get ready for what's coming. Thank you, Jesus. I think there are some Christians that have to be careful because Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, that in the last days concerning the time before, just before the coming of the Son of Man, he talked about how many, they will be lethargic. They will be, it's almost like they're drunk. And I believe there's more meaning to that than just the natural drunkenness or the overindulgence of the things of life, whether it's food, whether it's drink, whether it's movies, whether it's sports, or whether, whether it's these various forms of unending entertainment. Even with the things of the coronavirus, people are encouraged to, well, just watch movies all day. Sign up for this and sign up for that. Just download movies all day. And just, you know, it's just nonstop entertainment, whether there's a virus or not. It's people, they get themselves so caught up in these things of the world. And Jesus said, it will make your heart heavy. It is very, very dangerous because if your heart gets heavy, you get consumed with all of these things of life. The, and Jesus called it the cares of life. And you have to be careful because what will happen is you're not aware of what's going on. You get so involved in the flow of the world. And anybody can go with that flow. Look, you can be a dead fish and you'll, you can just get carried right on down, down the stream. You don't even have to swim. That, that, the river will just take you right on down the current. But to go upstream, to go up against the current, you have to be alive. And you need to be aware. You need to know what's going on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Because Jesus is going to come when we least expect it. In the natural, when it looks like everything is just moving on, moving on, that's when he's going to come. I know that there are many voices that speak on eschatology. And I love eschatology. I love end-time events. I feel in some ways that I have a pretty good insight on some of these things concerning the, maybe what we could call the sequence, or the steps, or the way it's going to unfold in the end times. But I still believe that there are things yet that have not been opened, scrolls that have not been opened concerning these sequences of the, 
way it's actually going to happen. Praise God. You have some ministers, they're very much convinced in their understanding, in their minds, that the catching up of the saints will take place before the tribulation. And they're called pre-trib. And then you have mid-trib, those that think there will be a catching up, perhaps right in the middle of the great tribulation. Because after all, really, the first three and a half years, in some ways, aren't that bad. Yes, you'll have an Antichrist on the scene, but the wrath, all the bad stuff, doesn't even really happen until the latter three and a half years. So there are some that teach from their perspective that the catching up will be right around the middle. But then you have others, I guess they're more militant in their ideas. Maybe they're preppers. Maybe they've got guns and ammo and combat boots stored away. I don't know. Maybe they've got piles of food stored up. They believe there will be a catching up of the saints, but they are considered to be post-trib. So you have pre, post, uh, pre, mid, and post, whatever it is. But I, I believe what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 13, that no man knows the day or the hour. That's the whole thing. You just have to be ready. You have to be walking with God. You have to be moving with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so the focus really, while we love eschatology, and while we see a virus break out that captures the world's attention, and while we see the elites, the global elites with all of their money saying, hey, we need to get everybody to get a stamp, to get a uh, digital ID. Hey, we can put it underneath your skin. We can put it on your hand or on your forehead. And we can put all of your data in there, all of your banking information. We'll make it very easy for you so that you never get this disease or sickness again. And you see, you see major flashes of the one world system really ready to go online. I mean, the technology is there. And they really want it some bad, that they want it so bad. One world religion, one world economic system, and those things will happen. Those things will come forth. But my friends, the focus, while we love eschatology, and we are told to read the book of Revelation, because there's a blessing for anybody who reads it, even if you don't understand it all, and there's going to be a lot you probably won't understand, because it takes time to decode all of that, because so much of it is what we would call Old Testament apocalyptic type language, just being repeated by John, the Jewish writer. But my friends, we're going to have more and more insight released concerning the book of Revelation, the unfolding, the breaking of seals, so that we can better understand the last days. But those things will escape those who do not know the value of the anointing oil and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit who reveals truth. Without the Holy Spirit, you can read and study. And read and study. And it can be so dry that really you can get into what Paul called the letter of the law. And he said, that's dangerous. That kills. The letter of the law kills. It'll strip your joy. And you just become a deadhead. And while you may know a not, uh, uh, excuse me, know a lot, it's just information. It's information that you can't even really uh, apply. You don't even know how to work it. You have so much information floating around in your head. But it's the Holy Spirit who takes that knowledge and see, here's what wisdom does. Wisdom is able to take knowledge. Knowledge of what? The Encyclopedia Britannica? No. Knowledge of National Geographic? No. Knowledge of the Word. Wisdom is able to take the knowledge of the Word and to apply it, to apply the Word to 
your life to the circumstances that need to be addressed, to the challenges or the issues or the troubles that you face, applying the wisdom, applying the knowledge to your life. That's the wisdom of God. That's what wisdom is. It's applying the knowledge of God's Word to your life. Mm, thank you, Jesus. But you need the Holy Spirit to be able to do that, or else things get dry really, really quick. And that's how people go into captivity. Because they got away from the Lord. They got away from keeping the commandments. Yes. But they got away from that relationship. That close walk with God where the oil is flowing. Mm. It's very, very important that we stay close to the Lord. Remember, Jesus again. Another parable about the last days. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25. Talked about the ten virgins. And they're all virgins, all ten of them. Ah, but five are wise, five are foolish. Well, why were the five foolish? They didn't have enough oil, and they ran out. But the five that were wise understood the value and the importance of the Holy Spirit. Woo, praise God. Because it is, it is essential that we walk in the wisdom of God, the revelation, knowledge of God, and it is the Holy Spirit who pours that out. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, who illuminates the Scriptures and leads us in the path, the brilliant illuminated path that we are to go in. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm here today to proclaim your liberation through the power of of not just the Word, but through the power of the anointed Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and it is that Word, it is that instruction that sets you free. Praise the Lord. It shall come to pass in that day that His burden will be taken away from your shoulder, and His yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Now, you're going to be in that company of the wise virgins where your robes are washed. There's no wrinkles. They're clean. There's no spots. There's nothing on your garment of pollution. You are spiritually clean, washed with the blood of Christ, walking in the overcoming power of the Word and the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And the oil of the Spirit will be flowing in your life. And you will be walking with God in prayer. That way you know. You sense the soon coming of the bridegroom. And you're ready. Because look. In that parable. When did he come knocking? Midnight. I'm telling you. He's coming back. When people least expect it. But when you are prayerful. And you see the signs. And you study the word. And the Holy Spirit is illuminating the word. You're seeing boy. We're moving quickly to, uh, towards this end time scenario that is so laid out in the Word of God that you would have to be asleep or drunk not to see it. Woo! Praise God. But the drunkenness of the world system, the drowsiness or, and the sleepiness of the world system, when you begin to walk in the anointing, that stuff comes off. That stuff comes off and you begin to walk in the power of God and you know what's going on. Woo! Praise God. And you're not a victim. You're not a victim. You are an overcomer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's continue on. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Now, the word here, destroyed, does not refer to taking the yoke off of the animal's neck 
And of course, this is in reference to a yoke being on God's people. But you understand that a yoke is something that an oxen would wear who's pulling a plow. Okay, but to take the yoke off and to destroy it doesn't mean that you just break it in pieces and we can't use it anymore. It actually in the Hebrew means to shatter and to ground it into a very fine powder and it's blown away with the wind. In other words, it's a yoke that's completely gone from your life and you will never, ever have it on you ever again. Praise God. My friends, this is the hour, this is the moment, this is the time where God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is liberating His people, His people, from all bondages, from all burdens, from all yokes. He is setting His people free, and He is empowering His people with not just a fresh anointing, but also with new anointings, because you are stepping into new assignments in this hour. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. You need to be ready to start paddling out. Get off the beach, okay? And get out into the water and start heading out towards the deep where the big waves are generated. Praise God. Mm-mm. Get out into the deep and get ready to move with God's Spirit into the new anointing. Acts chapter 10, let's drop down to verse 36. The Word, now when it says Word, that's not a single word. This is, would be like the message or the thrust of what the message of Christ preached. Here's what it was. The Word, or that message, which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Would you like to know what that word was? Would you like to know what the message was that was preached all over that area? Okay, here it is. Verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, now, we know that peace was preached through Jesus Christ. We also know that Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a title. Christ is the Hebrew word Messiah or Mashiach. And it simply means this. It means the anointed one. What was he anointed with? Well, the word anoint means to rub down and to smear down with oil. So he was rubbed down and smeared down with what? With olive oil? No, obviously not, because people would have thought, hey, that's really strange. He's got olive oil all over him. Well, what was he anointed with? You know, barbecue sauce? What was all over him? What was poured all over him and smeared all over him? We will find out. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus. Okay, so God, the Father, anointed Jesus. He had Jesus rubbed down and smeared with what? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Ah, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, this is very, very essential 
knowledge and understanding for any child of God, for any believer. You need to know that before the Lord began his earthly ministry, he didn't just go running out there saying, hey, I'm Jesus. I'm the one that John's been getting you ready for and get ready because here I am. He, he didn't do that. Before he ever worked one miracle, he had to first be anointed. Now, I know that there are books, ancient books, that do not belong to the canon of Scripture. They are not the inspired Word of God. Maybe the, some of these other books that are out there have some good historical insight, but they don't belong to Holy Scripture because they're not accurate. And some of these books that are non-canonical books, they have stories about Jesus when He was a little child. Uh, stories like of him taking, you know, these little clay pigeons and throwing them up into the air and they turn into real pigeons and they fly away, stuff like that. But that did not happen. Jesus did not operate in any miracles, in any signs or any wonders until he was anointed. He couldn't. He couldn't just go out there as a child and, and do that unless he was anointed. Could, could he teach at the age of 12? Yes. But could he operate in miracles, signs, wonders? No, not without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Woo, glory to God. I believe the church is coming. Listen to this. The church is now going to begin to move into the power anointing. Mm -hmm. A power anointing upon you to do what God has called you to do. A power anointing. See, that's like a breakthrough anointing that David experienced where he broke through the Philistines. I mean, he just broke through their defenses like they were like hot butter. Can you imagine what the Philistines must have thought? It's like a football team. That would seem unbeatable with the bigger guys, the stronger guys, the heavier guys. And your team is not, it's not matched up equally to that team. And they know they're stronger, but something happens where the anointing comes on you and you just, you just ram right through them. And they, they, they can't even stop it. They're like, what's going on? That's what happened with David. He and his men outnumbered. They came up against the Philistines. But when the anointing came through, the breaker anointing came through and they just plowed through they just plowed through them like they were nothing. And uh, that, that's what the Spirit of God will do. That's a power anointing. Praise God. And I see the power anointing, which is the Holy Spirit coming upon you in a new dimension and a new fashion to break through. To break through, praise God. And if miracles need to happen in order to get the job done, God will work miracles. Praise God. Now, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, so two things here. Number one, he went about doing good. Jesus told us the story about, <coughs> excuse me, about the Good Samaritan. He told us the story about the Good Samaritan. Did you ever notice that the Good Samaritan had to be empowered financially to do what he did? The Good Samaritan put the injured man up into a hotel. And he told the manager, the general manager of the hotel, Hey, look, 
as long as this guy's here, however long it takes for him to get healed up, he's pretty messed up. He can hardly walk. He's all busted up, broken up. But look, we've got him all bandaged up. Just let him stay here until he gets healed up, and I'll pay for the entire bill. Mm-mm. Now, ask yourself, could you do that? If you met somebody that had been mugged and robbed and beat up, could you, in today's situation, put them into a hotel room for a month and just say, I'll pay you the entire hotel bill. I'll, I'll take care of that. Uh, the person can't work. They can't walk. I'll just take care of them. Send them to the hotel. I'll pay for it. Could you do that? See, the good Samaritan was empowered. He was empowered. That's, got, that's why God wants to empower you financially. Why? So you can do like Jesus did. Go about doing good. Woo! Hallelujah. He had a treasurer. We all know his name. His name was Judas. And Jesus would send out Judas to take care of the poor, to do good things for the poor. And obviously, it happened so often. He was sending Judas out so often to be a blessing financially and help those who couldn't help themselves to the degree that on the night that Judas left the table to go betray Jesus, the others, some of the others thought, well, maybe he's just going out to, you know, give to the poor. Well, why would they think that? Because obviously Jesus was going about doing good on a very, very consistent basis. And I believe, listen to me, I believe that you will touch that new anointing where you can do the same thing. Hallelujah. And if that's buying a meal for somebody, you buy it and you pay for it with no strain. With no strain, hallelujah. If that means putting somebody up in a hotel for three days or for 13 days, you're able to do that. You are blessed. You are empowered. Hallelujah. Now, look at this. It says that he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. We just talked about that. That's very, very critical. That you are empowered to have that Christ-like ability to do the same thing. To be able to go about doing good. And as God increases you, your ability to go about and do good can be more than just your local area. Then it can become a regional area. And who knows, God could even take you into levels where you can go about and do good in various parts of the world. Hallelujah. That is a fulfillment of Scripture that I believe that God has planned for your life. Who went about doing good and healing. See, that's a different anointing. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. By the way, God's with you also. He's right there with you every step of the way. Now, it is true that some Christians think, mistakenly think, that if they're sick, that God put the sickness on them. But right here, we are told by God's Word, not by our opinions or not by, you know, what we would think, but we are told by God's Word that sickness is demonic oppression, okay? Healing all who are oppressed by the devil. So sickness and disease is oppression of the devil. That's clearly revealed here in God's Word. So if a Christian says, Pastor Stephen, don't pray for me. I'm sick, but don't pray for me. God put this sickness on me to teach me a lesson. God put cancer on me to teach me a lesson. God put uh, heart disease on me to teach me a lesson. Well, if that's true, 
why was Jesus going around trying to get it off of people? If God really put it on them, and Jesus is going around getting it off of them, wouldn't it make sense that Jesus is actually working against his own Father and working against the expressed will of God? No, my friends, God does not put sickness and disease on people. The enemy does that. And if the enemy ever tries to put it on you, you need to realize that's not God. That's the dirty devil trying to put that on you. And you need to resist it in the name of Jesus. Praise God. And don't let it come on you. Hallelujah. Just make a firm resistance in the word against any attack of the enemy. Well, Pastor Stephen, what if the devil already got one over on me and I, I now, you know, find myself in this position of having to deal with sickness or disease that's in my life? You need to realize that Jesus is a healing God. Praise God. And watch. He is so good that he will even heal unbelievers. I remember one minister in England Back in the 1940s, he got upset because in one of the great meetings with the famed evangelist, George Jeffries, there were many people in the services that were getting healed who were totally unbelievers, totally unsaved. And they, they were sick. They heard that God was healing people. Somehow God's healing through this man. They would go to the meetings. And many unbelievers we're getting healed as, as, uh, as well along with many, many Christians. And so this evangelist saw that and it kind of upset him. Well, Lord, you know, I, I thought that the healing was just for your people. Lord, Lord, you shouldn't, you shouldn't heal the unbelievers. They should get saved first. This is what he tried to explain to the Lord in prayer. Lord, they should get saved first. The unbelievers, they should get their lives right with you first. And then after that, then you should heal them. Now he realizes he's actually like kind of telling God how to do it. So while he's trying to explain this to the Lord, he says, Lord, there's probably also something I don't know about this <laughs> because you're the one that's doing the healing. So maybe I'm even looking at this incorrectly. And the Lord explained to him that he was. See, Jesus as the healer, he is the tree, praise God. But the, but the tree grows beautiful branches and one of these branches in Christ is called the healing branch. In other words, Christ the healer. Woo, praise God. The Lord God who is our healer, Jehovah Rapha. Now, that tree in the house of God, in the church, the tree being Christ, and we are in, the, in Christ, that tree with the healing branch, that branch can grow so long that it actually goes beyond the wall of the church and reaches out there. Now, here's the thing that's amazing. And this is what the Lord explained to the evangelist who couldn't understand why all the unbelievers were getting healed. And God, God was obviously healing them. The Lord said it like this. The branch grows beyond the wall of the church and the branch extends over the wall of the church. And the branch has fruit on it. Okay? And here's the thing. A, an unbeliever can walk by and can reach up and grab that low-hanging fruit and can eat it and can receive healing. And you know there's laws that are in various 
nations and in various states that would be like what we would call, you know, um, what do you do in the backyard if your neighbor has an orange tree? And he's planting an orange tree in his backyard, but the branches reach over into your yard or they reach over into the back alley. Oh, now if those branches reach over there, whose fruit do they belong to? Well, while the tree belongs where it's planted, the tree rightfully and legally belongs in the soil of the, of the landowner, of the homeowner, but the branches that extend beyond the, his walls that would go into the alley or into your yard, if you're the neighbor, you legally can reach up and eat that fruit. Now, that, that branch which belongs to that tree, belongs to the neighbor. But you, without any penalty, fully being okay with the law, can reach up and take a piece of that fruit and eat it. You can take as much as you want, because if it's over in your area, you, you have access to it. <laughs> and that's the way Jesus works with his healing power and his healing anointing. Healing is for you. Healing is for God's people. But if you're watching this, and you're not even saved. You don't even know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're just kind of hanging out watching this, maybe out of curiosity or something like that. Jesus will heal you too out of his love. And I'll say this. So often, so often when the Lord heals somebody that's not a Christian, it touches their heart. Now, they may not get saved on the spot. But it does sow a seed of God's love into their heart, and that seed may produce a harvest. Maybe it's immediate, but maybe sometimes it's five years or even ten years later when a person just realizes, you know, I can't forget about that time that God healed me. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work, but the harvest will come. Praise God. God knows what He's doing. So, what is that? That is a healing anointing that was all over Jesus. Praise God. And there are many different anointings. But let's talk for a few minutes about stepping in to the new anointing. Paddling out into the deep waters to position ourselves to catch the great wave of God's Spirit. Praise the Lord. Now, we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke, but along the way, we will pass by Acts chapter 1. Let's drop by there just for a moment. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Verse 7 is good also. And he said to them, that would be to the apostles, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. You know, they're asking, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom Back to Israel. Can you imagine if Jesus would have told them, guys, you know what? Let me just tell you the truth. I'm going to do that about 2,000 years from now. They'd have been like, whoa, tilt. <laughs> They'd have been like, wow, Lord, we're, we're having a hard time understanding that. So he didn't even go there. He did not even go there. Also, he could not go there with them at that time. They were not yet filled with the Holy Spirit. And there are certain revelations. There are certain truths that God longs to reveal to his people. But you have to be in the anointing. You have to be in the Holy Spirit. And without a deep baptism in the Holy Spirit, you're, you just couldn't understand it. God, 
God can't even tell you. He can't even go there with you. Uh, you, you. You couldn't even grasp it. You couldn't even grasp it. But God's going to get you ready. God's going to get you ready to catch the great revelations and to catch the move of the Holy Spirit. It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. But, in other words, here's what you need to focus on. We don't need to get all tangled up about eschatology. It's fun to study. It's fun to read. But here's the focus. You shall receive power. See, that's what you need. That's what you need. That's what they need it, and that's what you need too. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He is the power source. He is the power originator. When power is in manifestation, it means the Holy Spirit is moving. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and then in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, he directed them to stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave. Don't go on vacation. Don't go out and try to start your ministry. Don't do anything until you have received the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's very important today because so often people with good ambitions, Christians, even ministers, they hear about a need. They hear about a cause. They hear about urgent request. And they think, well, if there's a need, well, why not do it? It's a good thing. But just because it's a good thing, that doesn't mean that's what God's assignment for your life is. So there is an anointing. There is a new anointing. But it's for a specific purpose. Woo! Praise God. And you must know your purpose you must know your assignment. You must know your lane. You must know the path that God has for you. And you must stay in that glory to God and flow in that hallelujah. And that's where you will have your greatest success. Praise the Lord. It's very important to know that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Many tried to go out in their own power, their own smarts. Their own intellectual ability. That's all good. That's all good. Their own energy. We'll just work. We'll work 20 hours a day. Uh, that's good. But if you don't go anointed, if you are not sent by the Holy Spirit, you're just going to wear yourself out. And it's only going to end in frustration. So we need to be sent by the Holy Spirit. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. That's very, very important. Now, let's go to the Gospel of Luke. My friends, we're getting close to Pentecost, the next feast on the biblical calendar, which is God's calendar, is the feast of Pentecost. Pentecost meaning 50, 50 days after Passover. So these are things that we need to be mindful of because I believe that the Holy Spirit has a new anointing for you. You need to be pursuing God. You need to be aware of this. You need to be mindful of this because God, I believe, is moving you forward in this last hour, in this day and time. Now, when I say the last hour, we may have three years. We may have 30 days. We may have 30 years. I don't really know. No man knows except God the Father. But my friends, we know he's going to come when we least expect it. So we need to be doing all that we can do. Now, we were also told in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus said, occupy until I come. That word occupy has a dual meaning in the Greek. 
it has a meaning that speaks to a military phrase of dig in, don't give up ground. Hold your ground and occupy. I'm going to come back. Hold your ground. Take it. Hold your ground. But also, it has a meaning that they understood in that time in Koine Greek when that was taught, okay, which was the common language of the people, that it also had a business meaning to it. Occupy till I come. That's why some translations actually say, do business until I come. Pastor Stephen, I'm planning my end time escape. I'm going to leave next I'm, I'm going to leave next year. I'm going to live on a remote island that nobody can ever get to. I'm going to have 2,000 pounds of beans and rice, and I'm going to bring a generator and some solar panels, and I'm checking out. Well, now you tell me how that lines up with do business till I come. I mean, you may want to buy some beans and rice. You may, maybe you like solar because you, you just want to be able to keep on going. Should, should there be a little electrical glitch? That's, that's cool. But you don't need to be running away. And you don't need to be pulling back. You need to be moving forward, praise God, in faith. Not doing anything out of fear, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is your finest hour. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, this is the time for you to step into a new anointing. To do great exploits. Those who will be strong. Those who know their God will be strong. And will do great exploits. There's not much of an exploit in just consuming pork and beans on a deserted island. That's selfish. Praise God. You have an assignment from the Lord. And you need to stay on task. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I know that's what you're going to do. Mm -mm. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Let's talk about paddling out into the deep. Woo, praise God. Getting ready for those big waves that are generated, that are the giant waves. Mm -mm. Then Jesus, Luke 1, verse 4, excuse me, Luke 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. Okay, so he was immersed into the Jordan, uh, the Jordan River waters by John the baptizer. And he comes up. And the Spirit of God came upon Jesus, and the voice of the Father spoke and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. Okay, now, that's a remarkable moment. He has been filled with the Holy Spirit. But watch this. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? Would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? Wouldn't it be the time to just send him straight into Jerusalem? Let him start working in miracles. Well, he's going to go on a 40-day retreat. And on that experience, he is going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's going to be, he's going to be coming back, not with just being filled. He's going to come back in dynamite power. Praise the Lord. So, the Holy Spirit was also aware of the enemy's strategy. Let me say this. The Holy Spirit is also aware of every evil plot and strategy that all of those people who either knowingly or unknowingly are working on behalf very diligently for the dark side, for Satan. Some know it. Some, some have already made covenants and pacts. They're all in. 
Others, they're just more of a puppet. They don't even really know it. They're just kind of, maybe they're even, as they would say, atheists. There's a lot of them that say they're atheists, but they're actually not. They, they know who they are serving. They know who they belong to on the dark side. That phrase, we're an atheist, that, that is just a fake cover. But the Holy Spirit knows. He knows all of that. And the Holy Spirit is able to prepare you to stand and to go forward in the invincible armor of God. And the Holy Spirit knew that an attack, a very, very heavy temptation was coming to Jesus where the enemy, Satan himself, was going to come with his strongest artillery and he was going to make his very well-planned coordinated attack against the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit had to get Jesus ready. Woo! Praise God. And the Holy Spirit is going to get you ready so that you can withstand attack, so that you are armored up, and so that you can be empowered to move with God. Thank you, Jesus. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days. Now, the grand culmination of the temptation came right at the end, right at his weakest point. But there were other types of things that were going on during the entire 40 days. Because it says, being tempted for 40 days. Various types of temptations to get him into fear. Because look, he's out in the, he's out in the wilderness. And there were lions there at that time. And there were also bears. We, we read about these things. Uh, you know, even David slew the lion and the bear. And there were venomous snakes, another type of what we would call critters that sting and bite. And he's out there. You know, this is long before the days of, you know, these high-tech camping tents and all of this stuff. But he's out there. Now, he's not eating any food, but he is, I believe, drinking water. This is not a supernatural fast. This is a natural fast. Now, if he had no water, it would have said that. But he's fasting only from food. And out there, in those areas, in those remote wadis and ravines, there are natural spring sources of water, of fresh water. And I'm sure that's where he was just hanging out at, drinking water, and praying, spending time with the Father. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward... When they had ended, he was hungry, and at that lowest, weakest moment, that's when the enemy came. But he's been prepared. He was very weak naturally, but he's very strong spiritually. God's going to get you ready to withstand any temptation. The Holy Spirit is also going to empower you. Get ready for Pentecost 2020. I declare to you that this Pentecost is going to be an encounter unlike anything that you've ever had before. Where the fire of God is going to touch you and you're going to have an encounter. Praise God. Now I want you to take this by faith. Believe the prophetic word. Prepare your heart for what God wants to impart into you. You're going to need it for the season and for this new this new work that God is bringing you into. The new anointing. Praise the Lord. Now, verse 13. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, and each one had failed miserably, okay? When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The devil had to take a break. He was able to take out Adam, 
but Jesus operating as the second Adam. In other words, he's, he's flesh and blood. He's, he's a real man. Yes, he's God. Yes, yes, he is God. But he has laid down that mighty power, not his deity. He didn't lay that down, but he laid down that power, and he's totally operating as a man, just like me, just like you. Okay, so he is, he is completely reliant upon the Word, and, upon, and he is the Word, but he's also knowledgeable of the Word, and for the Holy Spirit to illuminate those words, and for the Holy Spirit to empower him, and to lead him and guide him. Woo! Praise God. Never forget in theology that if Jesus was going to win back what Adam lost. He had to win it back as a man. He can't win it back as God because if he tried, the devil, who's a legalist, the, and, and he knows the letter of the law, the devil would say, hey, you can't do that. That's cheating. If you're going to win it, you have to win it back like, like Adam lost it. In other words, you have to take it back as a man. So Jesus did it. And his victory has now become our victory, and there's all the power that you need in Christ through the, in, the abiding of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power. Notice that. That word was not there before. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. And after that, his ministry just exploded with growth, and his name went abroad. In other words, he became famous, and people are coming from all over to receive ministry from him. But it all came out of the power encounter with, with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. I think it's very important to understand that the Apostle Paul prayed that we would know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that abiding presence. See, when I was raised in church, nothing was ever said about the Holy Spirit. There was a lot said about the Father. There was a lot said and taught about Jesus. But when it came to the Holy Spirit, he was never mentioned. Even on the day of Pentecost, you know, when we read that, we would just skip right over that because we just did not have insight or revelation about that. And the thought of having fellowship with the Holy Spirit or being able to talk to the Holy Spirit or say, Holy Spirit, I love you. Such things as that. We, uh, you know, the preachers that I said under growing up, they would have thought, though, that's that's like heresy. That's blasphemy. You, you can't do that. But yet the Holy Spirit is just as much a part of the Godhead, of the Trinity, of the, uh, of the God deity, as the Father or Jesus is. It's the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Praise God. So my friends, there is that fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That is, there is that empowering of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to begin to prepare your hearts for the Pentecost that we're going to be coming into. It's about 41 days, 41, 42 days away. And just in your own way, begin to seek the Lord. There may be times you might want to do a little fasting, particularly as you get closer to Pentecost. And just keep paddling out there. Paddling out there in the deep waters and say, Lord, I'm seeking you. I'm wanting a new anointing. Woo! 
Hallelujah. Lord, let a new anointing of your spirit come upon me. And you never know. You never know what that just might entail. Such as when we have a wonderful example here in the book of Acts chapter 13. Verse 1, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, but no apostles, no apostles. Look at that. There are prophets and teachers. Now, some were just prophets. Others were just teachers. A few were prophets and teachers both. But watch this. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As a minister to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Verse 4, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. What was that? That was the apostolic commissioning of those men, Barnabas and Paul. Praise God. Now, set, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. And after that, they're sent out by the Holy Spirit. And that was the birthing, the launching, the commissioning of the apostolic ministry. An apostle in the Greek is a word that literally means a sent one. Sent by God. And all apostles, while they're, they're, how can I say it? They wear many hats. All apostles, nevertheless, still have unique assignments. Unique messages. Unique anointings, praise God. And I believe that God has a new anointing for you. A new sending for you, praise God. And you still retain and carry everything that God has anointed and blessed you with thus far. But the new, the new is coming. And I believe by the insight of the Holy Spirit, it's coming either on Pentecost or right around it. Some of you are going to catch it before because the fire is going to get so hot, you're actually going to catch it before. But I see visitations coming. I see revelation coming. I see assignments coming. I see releases coming for some. I see apostolic release to nations coming. And I've already talked to a few uh, prophet friends of mine from around the world who've already got, who have already got new, brand new, never received before apostolic commissionings to new nations. It's never happened in their life before. They just, they just have got, have got it. So this, this thing is already going on, but it's going to build, build, build until we get the Pentecost and there's going to be a real release. Praise God. You need to take Pentecost very, very seriously. He goes, you're going to get the fire. You're going to get a new anointing. And you're going to need it. For many of you, there will be an unveiling of the thing that you've been praying. Of going into that. God's going to open it up. You're going to see it. But you're going to need a new anointing to walk into it. Why? It takes power. It takes power. Power that you have not had before. But that power is going to come on you. And when it comes on you. Then, and only then, will you get your orders to move into that. You cannot move into a new assignment without marching orders and commissioning from heaven. If you try going on your own, you will not have any results. Or the results will be so poor, uh, it's just, it's totally ineffective. You have to go with the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, I'm excited. Good. You should be. Praise God. Because there will be. Just like there was for Barnabas and Paul, there will be new commissionings. Woo! Mm -hmm. Woo! Hallelujah!
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody is going to get a commissioning for a boat. I don't even know if I should call it a boat. What I'm seeing in the spirit right now looks more like a ship. And it's, it's a ship of, of, uh, that will be like a mercy ship. And I already know there's, you know, like the mercy ships that are out there that bring humanitarian Christian relief to people. But I see um, somebody's going to get like a, I would call it somewhere between a boat and a ship. It's big. It's real big. It looks like 120 feet long, something like that. Praise God. And you'll use it for the gospel. Woo, praise God. I don't know who that's for. <laughs> I don't know where you're at. But that went right into your spirit. Get ready. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're talking about commissionings from heaven. Also, when the, when the new anointing comes, often you also get a new angel that's assigned to you. Mm -mm. And the church is about to get a lot more better understanding about the ministry of angels. There are some things I could say about how angels help with the anointing. But if I actually said some of the things, there are some in the church that are so immature in the way spiritual dynamics work that if I were to say it, they'd be all, oh, oh. But you have to understand that when Jesus, as the captain of the angelic armies, Jesus, as the Bible describes him, Jehovah Savah, which means the Lord of hosts, captain of the angelic armies, Jesus doesn't have to do everything. No, no general does that. The general gives orders, and those working beneath the general uh, or the admiral or whatever the, the leader, the, the commander would be, you know, those underneath and lower rank, they just carry it out. And, and yes, in a sense, it is the Lord doing it. The Lord is doing it, but he flows it through helpers. Praise God. And there are angels that minister healing anointing. Well, Pastor Stephen, Jesus is the healer. Yes, he's the healer. But he sends angels. There are healing angels. And they help carry the flow of that anointing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Doesn't mean that Jesus is not doing it. Jesus is the, he is sending it by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is flowing it through the angels, and they stand there with a minister as that anointing flows, and it goes right through the man of God or the, or the woman of God. But you have to understand the role of angels and get a, a better picture of actually the schematics sometimes of how this works. Because if you don't, sometimes you can limit the angels that want to help. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, even some of the truths that we gained from the 50s healing revival, some of those truths have almost been lost already. Uh, William Branham was a, a great prophet. He did get into doctrinal error in the latter part of his life, and it confused people, and he had a very tragic ending. But you would also have to admit that when he was on track in the earlier parts of his uh, ministry, uh, he was a force he was a force of good to be reckoned with by the powers of evil. I mean, he was God's man, and he was a heavyweight prophet. But even William Branham knew that when it was time to minister the healing anointing, and he had two, two gifts. He had the word of knowledge, and he had the, gift, the gifts of healings, okay? So those two working together. But he knew he couldn't operate in those anointings until that angel came, the angel that Jesus assigned to him. Praise the Lord. Mm. And by the way, his angel did not have blonde hair. His angel had uh, dark black hair. Not all angels 
have blonde hair. If I'm going to get in trouble for the things I teach on angels, I might as well go throw that one in there too, because that's just some kind of, um, you know, mindset that people have that all angels have blonde hair or that they have, you know, like white skin. That's not, that's not true. They come in different colors, <laughs> different color hair, different color. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it skin because they don't have skin like we do because they're spirits. They're not, they're not physical, but uh, they come in different colors, different color with their garments and even their appearance. I've seen, I've seen angel. I, I saw an angel one time that was completely bronze face, hand, feet, Praise the Lord. So be open to what the Lord wants to do because with that new anointing, most likely there is a new angel that will be assigned to your life. Welcome that angel. Praise God. Yes, we worship the Lord only. We know that. That's basic Christianity. That's, that's Christianity 101. We worship God only. We don't worship angels. But you still need to have working knowledge of angels and how they operate and let them help you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Prepare. Prepare for Pentecost 2020. It's the following month. It's the last day of the month. It will be on the 31st. Praise God. May 31st, 2020 is Pentecost Sunday. Prepare your heart to receive a new anointing. Mm -mm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The anointing's flowing right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Paddle out there in the spirit. Get ready. Get ready for the big wave. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Let the message be sealed in the hearts of your people. And we thank you for time to prepare. And we thank you, O God, that you do speak to your people. And you do empower your people. And it's not optional. It's essential. We thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. You know, this happened about 15 years ago where I, up to that point, I'd been ministering, had good meetings. God was doing miracles, and the supernatural would happen. But I, I went to sleep one night, and I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw a vehicle. The vehicle was taken into a garage, and the hood was put up, and angels came and began to make modifications on the car's engine. And in the dream, I was able to inquire, hey, what's, uh, what's being done to the car? And I was told that it was being given an upgrade in horsepower. And that the horsepower was just being really just boosted to a new level. I thought, wow, that's cool. You know, you could see them putting on these, these uh, parts that would just uh, give it, give the engine more power. And then the dream closed out and I woke up and I said, Lord, what was that about? He said, I'm boosting the horsepower of the anointing that you walk in. I remember one time that I was uh, in a meeting and the, there was another minister. He was going to pray for somebody. And right before he started to pray, he just stopped and he, he looked at me and he said, Stephen, he said, when it comes to this area of ministry, which, which was for what that person needed, he said, you've got a lot more horsepower than I do. What, what did he mean by that? You have a much stronger anointing in this area. He said, please, you pray for the person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I said, okay, praise the Lord. And I, but that's something that the Lord gave me in that area. Now, 
some of you, you're not only going to get an increase, some of you are going to get a, like a completely different type of engine. Praise the Lord. Get ready for what God's going to do. A new anointing. You're going to need it for where He's taking you. Praise God. And a new angel. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. It's sealed in the name of Jesus. Let's take Holy Communion to seal it real good so that the birds of the air can't steal the, the seed, the sacrifice, the Word of God that would be before us. Praise God. See, just like Abraham fought off the birds of prey so they would not come down and eat what he was trying to offer up to the Lord as holy. Let's take the communion. Let's take the bread and the juice. I would like to pray for anybody that would be watching today. Perhaps you're just watching out of curiosity. Perhaps you are watching out of boredom, okay? But nevertheless, you're here, and the Bible says that today is the day of salvation, and I want to offer you the opportunity for you to get your life right with God right now. Praise the Lord. And I I want to give you that invitation to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Pray this prayer after me. Do it. Pray it right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you, and I need you in my life. Lord, I've done a lot of sinning. I, 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 I'm a sinner. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, save me now. I give my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. Wash all my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. I'll serve you all the days of my life. In your name, I pray. Amen and amen. He has heard your prayer, and he has saved you. Praise God. Let's all take Holy Communion. Just grab some unleavened bread. If you don't have one of these little wafers, just get a cracker and grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We consecrate this. We set it apart by this prayer as being holy, and we thank you that it is now holy. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus. So, Father, we just thank you as we hold the body, the flesh of Christ, we just thank you, O oh God, for Pentecost. We thank you for a new anointing. We thank you that all of your promises in the word are yes and amen. And we prepare our hearts to receive by faith. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Help us to paddle out to catch the big wave. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. God is fast-tracking so many things. Pastor Stephen, um, I still need some liberation, some bondage in some areas of my life. God's going to do that. That's so easy for the Lord to do. I just release that anointing right now for liberation. If you need help with your mind, with your brain, even if there's a chemical imbalance, as we're getting ready to receive the blood of Christ, and you need something touched in your brain even, maybe you have an addiction. Oftentimes that's because of things with our brain. Because your brain in certain areas can release all of these uh, endorphins and all of this, uh, the, you know, the feel-good chemicals. And your brain can get used to that. 
And you can do things where your brain actually needs a healing. And I believe there are a few that are watching right now because you, you have some of these issues, strongholds, and you need God to touch you right now. Just put your hand, if that's you, put your hand on your head. Heavenly Father, those that have their hands on their head that need your anointing to be free, Lord, touch their mind right now. Touch their brain right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Heal their brain. Just like you can heal our bodies, you can heal their brains. Lord, heal their brain right now. In the name of Jesus, I break any addictive behavior, any addiction that's rooted in the brain. Be healed now in the name of Jesus. Woo, it feels good. You're kind of starting to feel lightheaded. That's the happy anointing of the Holy Spirit. God's touching you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is bringing complete peace into your life, complete wholeness into your life. Jesus will have a bride that has no spot, that has no bondage. You will be completely free. He's working right now. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes away all of our sins and removes and cleanses away all unrighteousness and cleanses our conscience and our heart. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for the mighty blood of Jesus that's still mighty and effective today and right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I tell you, we've had a wonderful Passover. God is protecting, preserving, and keeping His people. And now we're getting ready for divine empowerment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So my friends, prepare your heart. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you in this preparation of seeking God and drawing after the Lord. And you will find that as you get close to the day of Pentecost, God has a special blessing for you. Thank you for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay in the anointed word and let the Holy Spirit minister carefully and deeply to you. God bless you. Bye-bye.